Hello everyone, welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. I'm your host, Scott. Today I'm going to be doing a review on a bit of a classic. This movie's almost 10 years old now. And I feel like it's okay to really get into detail and be a little spoiler heavy on it. Because this movie was made in 2012. It was made literally for the 20... I think it was, in a sense, made for the 20-year anniversary of the movie Reservoir Dogs. Now that name should sound very familiar to everyone that knows me very well. And has listened to this podcast. And has listened to me since I first started this podcast. Because I did my very first one with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino, the director... And this, don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, is not the finale of this podcast series. By far, it will never be the end. If I decide to end it, I might do it with Reservoir Dogs, I might do it with Pulp Fiction again, or I might do it with Quentin Tarantino's last film. I don't know. All I know is what I'm telling you right now. It is time to review Django Unchained. The 2012 film by director Quentin Tarantino, which is almost three hours long. It is a two-hour and 45-minute length film. It is one of the best, I think, hands down, that he ever made. He only made really three in this decade, in this past decade. He made three in the previous. De- he made four in the previous decade. Then he only made he made Reservoir Dogs. I don't count four rooms. He did Reservoir Dogs. Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown. He only did three in the 90s. Then he did four more. Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Death Proof alongside working... Well, he also did a little bit of work on Sin City. And he also helped make Planet of Terror. But he didn't direct that one. He directed Death Proof out of the Grindhouse films. And then he did Inglorious Bastards. Now he's back again with 2012. With Django Unchained. And I'm going to say, this film... Oh my goodness gracious. There are so many... Subtle cameos for me that I recognize. And this movie came out on Christmas Christmas Day 2012. And I still got to say it is a bit of an, a revisionist Western film by Quentin. And you know what? It's definitely a genre that I never expected Quentin Tarantino to make. I knew he was making a World War II war epic for many years. But I didn't expect him to make a film like this, which was a Western revisionist of sorts. Now... This film starts off in 1858 with the brothers of Ace and Dickie Speck driving a group of shackled and slave uh, black folks on foot. Among them is a sold-off slave from the Karukan plantation known as Django. He is sold off and he's separated from his wife, Brumhilda, who speaks German and English, and he he finds himself stopped with the other members of the convoy of sorts by Dr. King Schultz and his horse Fritz, who is a dentist who's now turned into a bounty hunter seeking to buy Django for his knowledge of the three outlaw brittle brothers who were overseers at the plantation plantation he was at, for whom Schultz has a warrant on them, dead or alive, to capture. He wants to buy Django for, to get the information that he needs to then also get his freedom. So in turn, he decides to help Django by shooting Dickie and oh, Ace and Dickie as well as um, well, help like freeing him, helping kill the brothers, and deciding to take off to um, 
pretty much say, here you go, and then they leave to go to um, Daughtry, Texas to go through another bounty that Dr. Schultz has on his own. They find themselves going to Spencer Bennett, also known as Big Daddy's plantation in Tennessee, after they've found themselves thinking, okay, well, let's do some digging around. Maybe we can find where she may have been in return of uh, finding the Brittle Brothers. They find the, they find the Brittle Brothers in Tennessee. They track them down. Uh, Bennett Lee, lets Django and Schultz leave to or after they after Django kills two of them and Dr. Schultz kills the third one, which are Roger, Ellis. I'm trying to remember. It was like Roger, Ellis, and... Um, John, that's it. John, Ellis, and Roger that, that uh, are killed. And as they are finding themselves being told to leave, they decide to go, they leave, and then they find a posse that is uh, trying to ambush, like, um, that wants to kill them. Schultz and Django ambush them. And Django gets to kill Bennett. He feels responsible for Jan- Like, after a nice uh, dinner together, Django and Dr. Schultz form a partnership because he feels a little responsible and agrees to help him find and rescue Brahilda. They soon go back to Texas where Jacob collects his first ha- bounty for the first time, keeping the handbill as a memento and good luck. Meanwhile, and as uh, he does that with Dr. Schultz, racks up several bounties before the spring. They find themselves training a little bit, finding uh, Jango's quite the accurate motherfucker. I'm, and I'm going to also admit, ladies and gentlemen, that this, if you already haven't heard me so far, this review is going to be very explicit, and it's also going to have a lot of the MF word because of Samuel L. Jackson being in this. I forgot to say who's in this movie. It stars Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, Samuel motherfucking Leroy Jackson, Walton Goggins, Dennis Christopher, James Raymar, Michael Parks, Don Johnson, Jonah Hill, just to name a few. He even has um, Tom Wapat in one, at one point as well, as well as Don Johnson, James Russo, Don Stroud. Um, who else? Um, Zoe Bell, Michael Bowen, Robert Carradine, Jake Garber, Ted Neely, James Parks, and Tom Savini. But uh, the other thing is about this film. But yeah. Anyways, after I, I'm sorry for uh, backtracking and getting off track. Now getting back on track. They f- find themselves get, like uh, having to travel to Mississippi, where Brumhilda's new owner is Calvin Candy, the charming but cruel owner of Candyland, the planty, the Candyland plantation, Candyland. And this is where um, things get a little too much. I feel like. Especially for uh, poor Django, who has to deal with becoming a one like um, a black slaver, who is he feels like it's pretty low, but he has to really get down and dirty low for it. But he does this in a good way because he's doing it for his wife. He wants to save, so I applaud him for doing something that he wouldn't even do. I wouldn't even do, even if it was during that time. I would still want him to do it, but I would want to help him do it in a good way. At the same time, it would just be very brutal if I had to make someone do such a thing. But since I'm not in that position, I don't have to worry about that now, do I? Because we're in the 21st century. There's no such... Theory is technically slavery, but it's not... I'm just going to stop talking about it. I'm going to move on. Motherfuckers. But basically, they're forced to uh, see uh, Mandingo fighting at um, 
a place in Louis in uh, Mississippi and Calvin Candy frequents where he has a bunch of Mandingo fights that are pretty brutal, if I'm honest. This is not something I would ever want to see in real life, but it is meant to be, I guess, this brutal fight that he uses for black slaves all the time because that's what he kind of likes to have. Besides cotton plantation slaves, he does this in a different way, and Schultz and Django decide to devise a plan Deciding that Candy will probably price Hilda beyond their reach if they try to buy her up front. So he instead they try and install instead offer as of twenty twenty as the year twenty twenty, this is twenty twenty two now, twelve thousand dollars, which is the equivalent today is three hundred fifty nine thousand dollars in twenty twenty, I mind you again. So they try and offer quite a hefty sum for Broom Hilda, but that's with inflation. To like three hundred that's around almost I'm gonna just round up around $375,000 for one person. That is ridiculous sums of money. But they meet him at this gentleman's club and make the offer. Calvin invites them both to Candyland, and they also see some slave trackers who've um, cornered an escapee fighter named D'Artagnan, and Schultz attempts to save him, but Django intervenes to prevent him from blowing their cover, and Calvin just lets the trackers' dogs just maul him to death who's kind of ups- and upsets Dr. Schultz in the process. Having bro- like having to tell, and then when they get to the house, they meet Stephen, the little black, uh, he's one of the, I guess he's the head house slave that's played by Samuel motherfucking Jackson. Mr. Samuel motherfucking Kangol motherfucking wearing Jackson. And I'm sorry for saying the motherfucker, I'm probably gonna have to take a couple sips of this whiskey for this motherfucker. That's five times. Beep, 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 beep. Whiskey time. <laughs> but anyways, he sees a suspicious, uh, haunt, like, uh, head house slave. And they have to also tell Brunhilde about the plan. He realizes that Brunhilde knows Django deduces their plan and alerts Calvin at the dinner. And, alters, and now Calvin has to alter the deal at gunpoint to sell her instead of the fire that uh, Dr. Schultz and Django were reluctantly trying to pretend to agree on. And Dr. Schultz reluctantly agrees during the sales finalization Calvin threatens to kill Brumhilda if uh, Schultz doesn't shake his hand to seal the deal. Having enough of his bullshit, Schultz straight up shoots him with a derringer and kills Calvin. Butch Pooch and Butch Pooch, uh, Calvin's bodyguard, his head bodyguard, kills him, and then Django goes on a rampage, killing everyone, even his uh, even Calvin's lawyer, Mister Mogi, and several of his henchmen, and is forced to surrender when Brumhilda is taken hostage. The next morning. Poor old Django is chained up and about to be castrated by uh, Billy Crash when Stephen arrives, informing him that Calvin's sister Laura is now taking charge of the plantation. Is sold is now ordered Django to be sold to a mining company and worked to death. While he's on his way to this uh, mining company, he devises an escape plan. He uses the first handbill that he uh, got from Doctor Schultz while working with him to um, claim that he's an escort and to prove that he is. To these uh, men that are taking him there to this mining company. And he says that the men are at Candyland promises that escort a share of the reward money if he's released. He decides to kill the escorts and return to Candyland with dynamite. And this is where the fun really begins, if I'm honest. Even if there has been a few good moments before this where there's some music that actually really works out. But this is, this is when I think the best song on the soundtrack... Because I had the soundtrack on physical release and I've listened to it many a times. I think the song "What Happened," like "Who Did That to You" by John Legend, is great on this song. Like, 
on this album and when it plays it's just it's perfect it's just like oh here comes here comes Django here, here comes pissed off fucking Django I'm sorry for swearing but again here comes Django and he's ooh, he makes people that are white hot mad look like they just hit a light bulb and now have some shrapnel on their face like he is that livid he decides to um, take the dynamite and he returns to Countyland, recovering Brumhilda's freedom papers from Schultz's corpse. He bids goodbye to his uh, friend and avenges him and D'Artagnan by killing the trackers of avenges. And frees Brumhilda just as uh, Calvin's mourners return from his burial. At the mansion, Django kills pretty much Billy Crash, Laura, and the remaining henchmen, and also uh, releases the two house slaves to say, see ya. But he does one thing. He kneecaps Steven after he says, I count six shots. I count two guns. I'm not saying the actual word out loud because I do not want to get canceled by everyone on the internet because I said the N-word. I, might, I shouldn't even said the N-word. But you all should know if you've seen this movie what I'm talking about exactly. I'm not saying it because I'm, I'll say motherfucker all day long. But I will not drop my knees to saying that word. I am not doing it. Sorry. Ain't happening. Ain't gonna work out that way. But anyways, they uh, have that be the case. He kneecaps him before igniting dynamite and saying like, he's probably that one ten thousand. Django and Bruno and Hilda watch from a distance as the mansion explodes as they now ride off together. And now we have the music playing. And I'm going to say right now, again, this movie may have had some pretty controversial things it does use the word that i'm not saying out loud quite a lot i know oh i actually realized i just i actually forgot about this but spike lee in an interview with vibe magazine said he would not see the film explaining all i'm going to say that it's disrespectful to my ancestors that's just me i'm not speaking behalf on anybody else and he said uh american slavery is not a sergio leone spaghetti western it was a holocaust my ancestors were slaves stolen from africa i will honor them Yada, 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 and it's just like Jesse Williams. And all, a bunch of people are like saying this is that, the other thing. And it's just like, come on now. It's a movie. It's made by Quentin Tarantino. What do you expect? Do you expect him to not? Like, at the same time, it was also a movie that was harder and more detailed, more explored detail, exploration of what slavery experience was like than 12 Years of Slave that was made by Stephen Queen. But he's an artist. That has been respected for making supposedly art films. It's held in the higher esteem than Django, but that's because it was black boy station film, according to Samuel Jackson. There's a lot of violence in it as well. There's a lot of inaccuracies, but that's the case. It is what it is. Um, what else? There was a few adaptations for this film as well. And there was meant to be a proposed miniseries. That was meant to happen. There was meant to be a crossover sequel that was meant to happen. I don't know if it'll ever happen. The soundtrack itself, I meant it, I think I don't, I don't think I mentioned it all the way through, but I do know the release and the reception, all of it was great. I do know I love this film. This is one of my favorites. I do know the soundtrack is one I definitely think a lot of you, if you are a fan of Quentin Tarantino's filmography, you should check out his soundtracks for his films. I'm not saying you need to see them, you need to listen to them all, but if you want to listen to Something that's very different from what you'd normally expect from Quentin Tarantino. I definitely say you should. 
I know some of the original music that is in it, actually, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't originally on the soundtrack itself, which is okay, not a big deal. There was a, oh, there was a remix of Johnny Cash's Ain't No Grave. There was, um, what else is on here? I know there's a lot of dialogue. There's actually a few other songs that were, like, a lot of it isn't really brand new for it, but there are some other things that are good on this too. Like, there's a few songs that are, from other people, like there's 100 Black Coffins, I think that was just made for this album by uh, Rick Ross, there was also a remix called Unchained, that was James Brown and Tupac, as well as J.B. Fox, Christoph Waltz, and James Rumor for Dialogue, that was the payback, plus the song Untouchable by James Brown and Tupac, then there was Too Old to Die Young by Brother DJ, Who Did That to You by John Legend, like I mentioned, there was a few other songs, there was also um, Oda Django, The D is Silent, which is a bonus track on iTunes, which makes no sense to me. I thought that song was quite good to hear overall. But there was a few there was also the song Freedom by Anthony Hamilton and Elena Bonchun. I'm probably mispronouncing it. I'm sorry. But there was a bunch of other songs on this that weren't on there, but that's okay. Like a lot of it was it's a it's a various it's it's meant to rely heavily on like I mentioned, spaghetti western stuff. But again, it doesn't. There's a lot of stuff that was composed for it. But again, there isn't much else to mention about it. What else can I say about this album? I know the music producer, what executive music producer was Quentin. Music like, and a bunch of other people helped out on it. And I gotta say, this album, from everything else he's done between Reservoir Dogs up to now, like up to this point, I would say. This, like, I'm only saying up to 2012. I'm not counting The Hateful Eight or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because he only made three films. Like, I'm not counting anything in that other half. He has one more film left in him, and I hope to see it very soon. I want to see his next film. It might be my last one I do for a podcast. It might not be. I might finish this completely with Reservoir Dogs. But I thought I would do this film mostly for the ideology of that it is Black History Month. I know a lot of people are going to say I'm racist for doing Jingle Unchained during Black History Month, but I'm not. All I am is exploring what I thought would be a good movie to watch that has black actors, amongst other things, in it. It may be, very, or may be a very controversial film, but it is a film I thought needed to be talked about and reviewed very swiftly and easily. I know a lot of people didn't enjoy my Uncharted review. That's okay. But at the same time, now I have this review. This will be out before the end of this month. And I do hope everyone does enjoy it overall. And at the same time, I do hope that everyone that is enjoying Black History Month and is listening to the music that they want to listen to and is enjoying it for what it is will give music movies like Jango, movies like Django Unchained or like anything that may not be like maybe made by an Afro-American, like someone that is of African descent a chance, even if it isn't made by someone that is of African descent, give it a shot anyways, check out Django Unchained, if that's not your cup of tea, watch something with a black, like, a black lead actor, like, I don't know, say, uh, I don't know, watch something with Samuel Jackson in it, watch Jackie Brown if you don't want to watch Django Unchained, if that is your cup of tea, who knows, I gotta re-release my review of Jackie Brown that I did not sadly get to release, it'll come out very soon, I don't know when I have been I don't know what happened to it, but I know it's in the it's in the graveyard, my review of it, sadly, but that is what it is. But 
at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else out there, I hope you're all very happy with what's going on in your life. I hope you all are having a great time overall. Just take care of yourselves and each other. Enjoy yourself. Check out Django Unchained, like I mentioned, for the like for the third time now. If you have a chance to, check it out. If not, whatever. It's up to you. I just wanted to get my thoughts about it out there. The music by Ennio Morricone, as well as Luis Bacalov, that are technically original and not original at the same time, are all well done. Everyone that makes music in this film make it just so wonderful for me to just watch. I enjoy a good movie every now and then, and this was a good one to watch. It's a long one at that at the same time, but at the same time, I enjoy it. Until next time, folks, this is Scott signing out and transmission. Take care of yourselves.